Well, welcome again. I'm glad to be here today. I'm glad you guys are here. I, I was thinking when I was getting ready for this message that sometimes I feel pretty sorry for you guys. I really do. Like, I feel sorry for you. Because I see preachers on TV, you know the ones I'm talking about, like their hair is all perfect and their clothes are just like shiny and great and nothing's out of place. They just ooze confidence when they tell you everything is going to be okay, just hold on to Jesus, you know, perfect white teeth. And, and even, you know, some of the pastors that I know and love here in town, you know, their, their public persona is just one of, of confidence and strength and togetherness, steadiness and surety, and that is all you would ever, as, as an acquaintance of theirs in public, um, be able to see. And, and in fact, the, the people that I know, the, the pastors that I'm fortunate enough to have friendships and relationships with, yet they possess those qualities. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. They are strong, confident, competent people together on some occasions. I'm not saying that, that they're not those kind of people. But I feel sorry for you guys sometimes. Because sometimes I'm that pastor. Sometimes I might seem like, at least on the surface, like I have got all my crap together. And sometimes I am not. Sometimes I am not that person. Uh, but sometimes the other pastors, they're not too. I mean, that's the secret, right? I don't, I don't know what it is that in our country we have, we have conditioned, we have, we have put these expectations on ministers that they would never express their humanity, that they would always you know, hide those things that are difficult because it's done out of, I think, for the most part, a, a spirit of kindness and like consideration for people because part of my job is to be the person that is steady in a crisis. Like you need to know if you call me at 3 a.m. and I need to go to the hospital that I'm not gonna be more falling apart than you are. And I am that person when it's necessary. You can call me at three o'clock in the morning and I will come to the hospital and I will not, you know, lose my S when you need me to be strong. I can be that person. But I am also a human. I am absolutely, completely a human who has her own relationship with God. I have my own life challenges. And I don't hesitate to use those things just completely, openly, and authentically when I'm trying to communicate to you God's heart and his word to you. So sometimes, not very often, not very often do you get a large and in-charge pastor confidence inspiring maybe that's just not who I am mostly you just get plain old Marie who is a fellow traveler just trying to figure this thing out in real time just like the rest of you are right there alongside you but the good news about that is that you can know you can absolutely know, you can be sure that all of the stuff I say to you has been tested and it has been tried. And you can be sure that I am not trying to sell you something shallow. 
ever, ever. So today, as we continue in our series, we've been in the series for several weeks called Run It Again, The Fundamentals of Our Faith. We're talking through those spiritual disciplines, those tools that God has given us as gifts, that if we practice them over time, over the course of a lifetime, they assist us in our attempts to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. And that's our goal, isn't it? We're followers of Jesus. We want to be like him. We want to imitate him. We want to love like him. We want to live the kind of life that Jesus would live if he were us, to paraphrase Dallas Willard. So I'm gonna talk today about one of the spiritual disciplines that is possibly, if I had to pick one, this one is the most vital for me personally, for my spiritual health, the most vital. And it's simultaneously probably the most challenging for me to practice consistently just because of the way that I am wired. Today we're gonna talk about the practice of silence and solitude. And this timing could not be any more perfect. It could not, here's where my humanity comes in. I had a bit of a panic at the beginning of this week. Well, a bit of a panic, that's a bit of an understatement. So if you know me, most of you know I am, I am a super planner. I always have a plan, I have lists, I have calendars. I typically live my life with a view of you know, six months, a year out, what is, what is happening, what is going on? I have everything lined out. I, I know where all the moving pieces are. I am most comfortable in that space when I have a plan and I know what's gonna happen. But life conspires against me sometimes. I don't know if you could identify with that. But the last few months for me have been pretty full of a variety of activities and situations that just really affected my ability to nail things down. And so I have been taking it on a good week, a week or two at a time, and on a bad week, one day at a time. And that's the space I've been living in for the last couple of months. And it's not the most comfortable, it's not, but I was doing okay, I was doing all right, until Monday, until Monday, that is when I sat down with the calendar to really think through Advent, which is a big deal around here. And I realized Advent is, it's like it's already here. It's next week. Next week is December 1st. It's like it's here. If you've been here for a year or more, you know that as a church, you know, we observe this part of the church calendar. We're not, we're not a liturgical, you know, by, by every single week we don't, we don't go by the, the lectionary and use the passages that are, you know, lots of churches have, have much more rigid structure following the church calendar. There's different seasons that kind of help us mark time and, and be aware of of the, the rhythms of faith. And we'll talk more about that when we talk about Advent next week, okay? But we, we observe Advent 
And, and it's a time on the church calendar that's like leading up to Christmas. And we do that because it kind of helps us take a step back and pause and really um, make space to be reflective. So we're getting ready to celebrate uh, Christmas, you know, the birth of Jesus, all that. It's just a way to be reflective so that the season doesn't just all go by in a blur. Because it can. It absolutely can. It's really hard to take time and step aside during this season because for most people, and, and I think you would probably agree with me, for most of us, life just from, from this week with Thanksgiving on until after the ball drops on New Year's Eve, life is just pedal to the metal and there is all kinds of stuff that's going on. Just nonstop pressure from every side. And for me, the fact that it snuck up on me that I sat and looked and went, oh, oh my gosh, it's here. It just makes it eight million times worse. So I had a lot of anxiety this week. It's a busy time of year. It's a busy time of year for the church. And it's for my family just the way that it is yours. I have special events that I have to plan. I have extra social gatherings, which are wonderful for an introvert. Wonderful. I love connecting with people. And also, I need them all to go away once in a while. I love you. But I have family drama to deal with. I, I have some loved ones that are going through some really tough stuff that I'm helping to carry and the list just goes on and on. And, and that's all while just carrying a normal load of responsibilities. Normal life for me is this job. I serve on the board at the mission. I serve on the city council. And I'm also, I just want to remind you guys that I'm, I'm taking courses at Vineyard Institute because I'm trying really hard to make sure you guys don't have a dumb pastor. <laughs> so I'd like, to, I'd like to know what the Bible says so I don't accidentally preach some heresy. That's my life. I am busy all of the time. And, and this time of year, I am extra busy. And my instinct, because of the way I'm wired, is to just put my head down and power through it. Like, I will sleep in January. I will be fine. I will be fine. But that is a recipe for disaster. For me and probably for you. An absolute train wreck will happen if that is my approach to life. So the practice of silence and solitude is super practical, super helpful for me. But it is so hard. So hard. It was, it's, it's so great that last week uh, Vince preached about fasting. And didn't he do a great job if you were here it was a great message. Uh, so he talked about how uh, abstaining from food is a way that we can kind of unplug from the realities of this, of this world and we can plug into the kingdom of God. And, and he really set me up this week. So I have a, an easy task because all I have to do is tell you that silence and solitude are really types of fasting. They are not unlike abstaining from food. That's what Vince talked about, skipping a meal to spend time with God. But silence and solitude are fasting from our busyness and from our addiction 
to productivity. Both fasting from food and practicing silence and solitude are ways that we can step aside, we can unplug for a time from the normal way of doing things, the culture around us. It's not that that activities are bad. It's not that food is bad. Those are good things. But it's a way of stepping aside and saying, for this time, I'm going to be intentional about connecting with God's kingdom. From plugging in to the, the kingdom routine and reality. So I want you to consider the following. Um, this was a Facebook post made by my friend Larry Warner who is a brilliant author, a spiritual director, as well as a frequent speaker at many of our Vineyard events. I'm very fortunate to, to know Larry, and he's been a, a source for good in my life. So Friday morning, Larry made this Facebook post right about the time that I had hit a serious wall. So I'd already been freaking out all week about all the things that I had to do And how was I going to get them done? And then here comes Larry through my Facebook feed. I was arguing with myself about having so much to do. And I was resisting all the ways that my body and my soul were crying out for rest. I saw a little graphic go around that said, do you ever feel like uh, you're just driving around and the check engine light of your body is on and you're just ignoring it? Like, But that's when, that's when this came across my feed and I read this. These are Larry's words. It's not always on everyone's list of important spiritual activities. It gets overlooked for a lot of reasons. In our nonstop keep going, keep doing, keep producing culture, the call to slow down, to waste time with God, is anathema. Yet our way of life is killing us, draining us of creativity, wonder, and mystery. Take some time to ponder the words of Henry Nouwen below. Might there be an invitation of God to you in these words? And then Larry quotes Henry Nouwen, who if you're familiar is a, a spiritual thinker and author that I'm, I'm particularly thankful for. So this is Henry now and now. Waste some time with God. In our utilitarian culture, where we suffer from a collective compulsion to do something practical, helpful, or useful, and where we feel compelled to make a contribution that can give us a sense of worth. Contemplative prayer is a form of radical criticism. Criticism directed at the culture, the systems of the world that that demand that we measure our value by how productive we are. Silence, solitude, contemplative prayer is a criticism of that because it is not useful or practical. 
It is simply to waste time for and with God. It cuts a hole in our busyness. And this was the kicker for me and reminds us and others that it is God, not we, who creates and sustains the world. Those words are so hard, so hard for my hyper-responsible heart to swallow. But I have to recognize the truth in them. When I get caught up in the frantic, frenzied, nonstop, keep going, keep doing, keep producing culture, does anybody in the room not know what he means? When he says that, the pressure, as Larry calls it, when I get caught up in that, I am falling into a trap. I am falling into a trap. I am believing the comforting lie that I can control my environment. I am affirming the lie the lie from the pit of hell that I am only worth what I produce. Did you know that that is not true? That your value does not come from what you accomplish or produce? And I am agreeing to the lie that time spent with God is a waste. Silence and solitude reminds me that I am not responsible for the universe. That I am first and foremost a child of God and that I am always held in his love. Always. So Friday, Friday I did good. I don't always, but Friday I did. I listened to the Holy Spirit I listened to Larry. Even though I had eight million things to do, I did nothing. I decided to do nothing. I chose to abstain, to fast from getting things done. And I spent the day resting away from my normal routines. I had blocked out this day, you understand, at home to be productive, to sit with my things to-do list and cross things off in that way that is just, I mean, like, like a hit of the most intense drug for me. Check. And I am good. I abstained from that. I didn't set any meetings. I did not check my email. I did not leave my house. And I did not leave my house, I did not clean my house. Which is what normally happens when I get that rare day at home. I decide, oh, now I have a day off at home, I will clean my house. And you guys, my house could use some cleaning. Like, it's more than a couple dust bunnies. 
but I intentionally chose to withdraw from the norm, to fast from my busyness, to believe that the God who designed me could sustain me. And that the work and the weight of the world could wait. It could wait a little while. It would still be there. And in fact, it was. You know what? It was a good decision. A good decision that I made to spend the day doing nothing, wasting time with God. The practice of silence and solitude is necessary for our spiritual and our physical health. According to scripture, Jesus thought so too. In the book of Luke, by the time we get to chapter five, leading up to chapter five, Jesus has been really busy. Really busy. He had been preaching, he had been teaching, he'd cast out a bunch of demons, he healed a bunch of sick people. He was very, very busy because the need was great in Israel. And as more and more people heard about Jesus, more and more people came to them. He was the one that could meet the need. And Jesus was the one that wanted to meet the need. So many times we think that fasting from busyness means saying no to things that aren't good. But that's not necessarily the case. Sometimes we have to prioritize what is good and what is best. So Jesus could meet the need. He wanted to meet the need. But yet we read this in in Luke chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. It says, the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. It seems so backwards doesn't it? So backwards to step away when there is work to be done, important work to be done, to take a break and waste time. You can see why I compare it to fasting, right? It doesn't make any sense that you could go without food and you could feel strengthened. And it doesn't make any sense that one could take a break from work and somehow accomplish more. But Jesus knew this truth that Paul articulated in the book of Philippians. Philippians 2.13 tells us, it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. You have heard this cliche, I know you have, that you cannot pour from an empty cup. But nowhere is it more true than this. If our soul is empty of God's presence, 
we have nothing from which to draw. No source of strength. No well of love. And how can we offer the world around us something which we do not have? It is God who works in you. And my friends, this is not, it is not just for Sunday morning. It is not just for here in this place. It is not just for so-called spiritual activities that God works in us. It's for this Thursday when your mother-in-law has had too much wine and starts to make comments about your dry turkey. (laughs) It's for the extra hours that you're putting in at work to ease the financial strain of Christmas that's coming. It's for finals week at the university. It's for car shopping because some lady who was in a hurry hit me while I was driving in Kirkwood a couple weeks ago. It's for sickness. It's for conflict. It's for politics. God help us all. It is for life, for every aspect of our life, it is God who works in us. For God to work in us, he has to be in us. We have to learn to tap into that. And silence and solitude are one of the absolute best ways to do it. It's uncomfortable for some of us because it feels passive. But that is only because we are not the ones who are in control of the interaction. God is anything but passive when we place ourselves intentionally into his presence. Just to be with him. To let him be who he is to us. And so with the rest of our time together today... We are going to do just that. We are going to take five minutes. I wrote a shorter sermon so that I could do this and you could still get to the, you know, Mandarin Garden or wherever you're going before the Baptists. Five minutes we're going to take. Some of you already started getting anxious because silence makes us so uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. Because there's so much stuff buzzing around in our heads. I always say it's like there's 25 Super Balls and someone just like flung them into my skull and they're just ricocheting all around in there. That's how I feel a lot of the time. And when I get still and when I get quiet, I am oh so aware of every single bing, of every single ball off of every single nook and cranny of my brain. And I don't like that. I would most of the time rather, you know, binge watch Netflix or scroll on Facebook until there's nothing left to see. Got 900 friends, I look at individual profiles until I run. No, I don't do that. 
We distract ourselves. And silence can be uncomfortable, but when we can get a hold of this, if we can get used to this, if we can become more comfortable with it, it can be such a gift. And so from time to time, I subject you all to this exercise in the hopes that it will make it feel more accessible as something that you could do in your own time at home. And so here's what we're going to do. For the, for, for the next five minutes, I'm going to set the timer on my phone so you don't have to worry about it at all. You don't have to think about what time it is. I will set it for five minutes. I won't trick you and set it for seven. It will be exactly five minutes. I want you to relax. I want you to notice your body. I want you to notice the tension in your body. Things like, are you clenching your jaw? I do that all the time. I grit my teeth. And someone says, relax your jaw. And I, I just, it's instant. I feel better. You can notice, I mean, this sounds really weird, but what is your tongue doing? Is your tongue like stuck to the roof of your mouth or is it, is it loose in there? Like our bodies give us signs of our tension. And we can, we can breathe, we can let go of all of that tension in our muscles and we can just sit If you want to close your eyes, you can close your eyes if that's helpful. You don't have to. The point is not for you to try to do anything. I'm not asking you to pray for five minutes. I don't want you to feel like you have to form words. If you want to, if something comes up in your spirit, fine. But only if it's not from a place of, I'm supposed to be doing something right now. We are just together as a family, going to put ourselves in God's presence and allow him to be here with us. He is here. His spirit is all in this room. What's missing is our awareness most of the time. And we have to make space to be able to feel him. So just let go of any expectations that you have to do anything, that something is supposed to happen. And for five minutes, let's just be quiet together in the presence of God.